Good morning, church, and welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us here online on this beautiful day. I feel like summer is finally here. It is here. It's here. It's warm. It's been warm all week. Finally. (laughs) But welcome. We're so glad you're here. (laughs) Yes. Hey, thank you for joining us today. It is so good to stay connected with our church, even online. And if we happen to be your local church, uh, would you go ahead and text the word MRCC? to 94000 if you're new with us. We just like to stay connected. Or of course, right there in the chat, you'll see that prompt. Go ahead and click that to get connected. And another way you can connect with us is come to our in-person services in the building. We'll still have the interactive services at 8, 9.30, and 11 online, but we'll also have in-person services at 8, 9.30, and 11 as well. And we just want to remind you that no signups are needed, so feel free to come and just join us in a time of worship and listening to God's Word. Yes, and you know, including Kids Church is still meeting right right now. And I heard Merck is making an appearance That is right. Everybody loves (laughs) Merck. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so join us. We are united together with you online and in person right now. And so we have the opportunity of of entering to a time of worship this morning. And and as we do, let's stay united. And right there in the chat, if God is stirring something up in your heart, share it with your fellow church body. Or if you just want to post a simple amen or hallelujah, like let's stay connected together as as well as with God and the Holy Spirit in those moments and be united in worship this morning. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, hey, you ready to worship? Oh, yeah. Church, let's let's get our praise on. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Yes, God, we praise you for who you are. Come on. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety, yeah. Let it rise, let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it rise. Forever 
This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you This is what living looks like your name, Lord. Yes, God. The one most worthy of praise be lifted high. Yes. Were creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry from north to south Christ be magnified 
Working in this place 
stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop undeserving us that you loved us still that you would provide a way through the blood of your son Jesus God you made a way thank you we lean in on that we press in on that father that truth and we worship you the one who's most worthy church maybe right now that you're sitting there and God is working a stirring in your heart Maybe you've been suffering with isolation. Maybe you're in need of healing. Maybe you're in need of direction. God is here in the moment. He is here with you. He is walking with you. And we as a church want to provide an opportunity. So if you're with us in our online gathering, in the chat, if that's you, if you're feeling isolated, would you just say me? Just type the word me in the chat right now. We have pastors present who want to send you a private message right here to pray with you to pray over you. Our God is here. He hears your heart. And if you need a prayer this morning, just type that word me right there in the chat. God, thank you so much for this grace that you pour out. We thank you for all that you are most worthy of praise. And we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Thank you so much for gathering with us in worship today. Thank you. Welcome, my MRCC family and friends. My name is not Pastor Greg, but my name is Dean Eric Smith, and it is a pleasure, it's an honor to be with you here today. Okay, so I'm gonna invite you back about 10 years. Now I want you to picture this. I'm in my office here in a small town of Enumclaw, Washington. My wife is at her desk, I'm at my desk, and you know, I'm just kinda enjoying the moment, looking around the office. We've got the, the bookshelf, which is chocked full of every forgiveness book ever written 
in the history of the world. And I've read them all and taken notes and I'm, I'm proud of that. And I, I look over and I see the poster on the wall of Live to Forgive, the award-winning documentary that captures my journey to forgive and reconcile with the man who murdered my mother. And then I look at my desk and there it is and there's a Bible there and it's open to some forgiveness scriptures because I'm working on a forgiveness message on my laptop right in front of me and I'm just enjoying the moment. And then my executive assistant walks in. She has a very concerned look on her face and very serious. And um, Dean, Molly, can, um, can I talk to you for a minute? And we're both like, yeah, sure, you know, what's going on? You know, I don't know how to tell you guys this but you over the last few months have been really kind of mean to each other and the way that you're talking to each other just doesn't seem right. And I don't know how to tell you this, but it just seems like maybe you guys need to practice forgiveness. Are you serious? <laughs> it was this moment 10 years ago that my sweet wife Molly and me realized, oh my goodness, we need to remember to reinstate our priority to make forgiveness a habit within our relationship. And I can't help but wonder, right? 10 years ago, as I was literally spending every day researching forgiveness, learning about it, teaching forgiveness, and yet still somehow overlooking, practicing it with my own sweet wife, Molly, I'm wondering if as as important as forgiveness is to you, you know it's the foundation of our Christian beliefs, is it possible that even though you know it's important, maybe you've been overlooking it as well and not making it a priority in your life? Here's the thing, over the last 13 years, I've been so blessed to travel around the country and speak hundreds of times and, and talk to thousands of people who are going in and through their own forgiveness journey in the last few years, I've had the blessing of teaching classes and workshops, and today I want you to be able to learn some of the most valuable pearls that I've learned on the mean streets of forgiveness, where the rubber meets the road. What's really helping people truly experience the freedom of biblical forgiveness? You with me? Okay, let's go. Now, before we get started, let's take an inventory. Let's Let's look at where we are in our world right now, right? Well, we've got this whole pandemic thing, right? COVID-19 and holy smokes, there's, there's a lot of concern in the air. There's, there's a lot of sickness, there's death, there's concern and, and there's arguments over if it's real or if it's, uh, if it's not. And then you've got the idea that we've just learned that the kids aren't going back to school in the fall and all the emotional and mental and, and physical challenges with that and the concerns. And then you realize that our economy's taking a hit because people can't leave their house. So businesses are suffering, which means personal finances are suffering. Maybe you're one of those people. And then we've got racial tensions and we've got the riots. And then we've got just the fact that you get on social media to catch a break and everyone's arguing and has really strong opinions of different sides of the spectrum and it's causing even more disputes and uncertainty. You're not sure what you can believe. I wanna ask you, have you noticed with everything that's going on in this season of life, have you noticed that the people around you and maybe even you have a lot of really negative, maybe sabotaging, thinking patterns and thinking habits right now? And with those sabotaging thinking habits that people all around us have, have you noticed that people's emotions 
are off, anxious, overwhelmed, stressed out, fearful. Are you seeing it? Are you experiencing it in others and in yourself? And the thing is, is when people have negative thoughts and disruptive emotions, they tend to make really poor and destructive decisions. So we actually have some statistics in our country that prove this. Right now, we know that suicide rates are up significantly. Um, divorce rates are up. Domestic violence is on the rise. And violent crime is on the rise. You realize that when people's thinking is, ah, and people's emotions are, ah, it causes us to make really bad decisions and choices. Another way of saying it is that it's a fertile ground right now, a breeding ground for more sin. Isn't that interesting? Even more sin. And the thing is, the problem with sin is it doesn't just cause damage out there. It causes damage in here. And that damage starts in your soul. That damage starts in your soul. Now, the soul I'm talking about is not like, I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. Not that kind of a soul. The soul I'm talking about is your capacity to think, your capacity to feel, your capacity to choose. It's the source of who you are as a person created in the image of God. And think about it. God made human beings in such a way that we would be able to think like he thinks that we would be able to feel like he feels, that we would be able to choose what he chooses. And God made it all in the context of loving relationships, that we would be able to receive love, that we'd be able to give love. And so God created us to be able to think truth, to be able to feel good, and to be able to choose love. <sighs> and everything's just wonderful, yes! <laughs> But, but something that God calls sin has broken into this world. It's broken into this world like an invader, like a plague, like a virus. And just like the devil, sin can only do three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. And right now in our world, sin is stealing, killing, and destroying. And it, that damage starting in our soul. You know, just as a knife causes damage to your body is the same way that sin causes damage to your soul. Remember, your soul is your thoughts, your feelings, your choices. And just as damage by a knife causes pain and dysfunction in your body, so, so does sin cause pain and dysfunction in the way that you're thinking, right? In the way that you're feeling. And so what happens with sin is it makes it more difficult to see truth. It makes it more difficult to feel good. It makes it more difficult to choose love. What sin does, my friends, is it causes you to believe lies. It causes you to feel terrible. And it causes you to choose more sin. Ugh. Ugh. Tell me some more good news, Dean. Thanks a lot for this inspiring message this morning. It gets better. Stay tuned. Here we go. But I want to ask you, Lately, over the last few months, and even right now, how have your thinking patterns been? What have you been thinking about, right? And how have your emotions been? How have you been feeling lately in the real world? 
And then let me ask you, what have your choices and some of your habits been like? Are the choices and the habits you're making perfectly in line with the loving Christian person you're most committed to being? Are they? See, I want you to get a visual representation of what I'm talking about. So look at this. All right. So as you see at the top, someone sins. Either you sin or someone sins against you. Now, since all sins are destructive, that sin damages your soul, right? What's your soul again? The way you think, the way you feel, and what you choose. And you can't see that damage, but you feel that pain, don't you? The guilt, the hurt, the anger, the anxiety, the depression. And now your soul is no longer able to function the way it did before. And so the discomfort and the crippling effects of that damage caused by the sin now forces you to respond. So you learn to make adjustments to protect yourself from the pain and manage the dysfunction. So what do you do? You find cheap, easy, and manageable ways that you can cope with the problem. And as you can see, coping mechanisms naturally lead you to more sins. And here's the reason why. Because coping mechanisms are simply forgiveness substitutes. See, my friend, forgiveness is God's solution to a problem that he calls sin. And you know, I think everything's a little bit easier to remember when you put it in a song. So, forgiveness is God's solution to a problem that he calls sin. Can you sing it with me? Can you? Come on, loosen up a little bit. Here we go. Forgiveness is God's solution to a problem that he calls sin. Remember that the answer that God gave us to this torturous circle of death is forgiveness. But when we choose to cope, it keeps us in the vicious cycle. And I want to know, can you relate? Think about your relationships. Think about your marriage. You and your spouse or your significant other, you get in an argument and it causes, it causes you to be angry and upset which causes pain and dysfunction inside of you. And all of a sudden, you're not as close, you're not as intimate, you're not as united. And you want to deal with that. And so you could do anything. You would think like, well, we could do drugs and alcohol. Is that a coping mechanism? Yes. Or you could just go watch TV and not deal with it. Or you could just decide not to do anything about it and just go to bed. Just, it'll, it'll go away. But then you wake up the next morning and you realize that your soul, the way you think, the way you feel is, is still dysfunctional. And so one of you says something else and it starts again and you go back around the circle and year after year after year, you find yourself in this torturous circle of death and you realize that you're not thinking the same about your significant other. You're not feeling the same about your significant other and you're definitely not choosing what you used to choose with your significant other. You know, every, every divorce that's ever taken place is two people and sometimes one person stuck in this vicious cycle without ever getting out. Let's take parenting. Your child's disrespectful. You told them to get off their iPhones and they, they get mad and they throw a fit and it makes you mad. It causes anger and upsetness in you. And so uh, you, you, you think, okay, I'm going to deal with this rationally. So you have consequences and maybe even punishment, but you don't ever choose to make forgiveness a priority. And so the next day you carry some of that anger, some of that, some of that frustration. And all of a sudden your, your view of your child starts to change. Pretty soon you're noticing all the things they're ever doing wrong. You're telling them, why are you always doing this? You're making me so frustrated. You're finding what's wrong quickly and you're losing touch 
with all the good they're doing and instead, instead of encouraging them and telling them what to do right and all of a sudden you become much more hard, harsh, or cutting than you ever imagined you could as a parent and maybe, especially in this pandemic season of the last half year, you're becoming a parent that you wish you weren't. For the men out there, maybe you have found yourself in a habit of looking at salacious images on the internet and that guilt and that shame is driving you inward and you try to pretend everything's fine out here, but you know it's taking you further and further away from being connected to others and it's keeping you from doing so many things mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It's time to make forgiveness, my friends, a priority. The thing is, our coping mechanisms are hindering us from practicing forgiveness, and it's keeping us in the loop of sin and damage. So isn't it interesting or maybe even funny that my coping mechanism was at, instead of practicing forgiveness with Molly 10 years ago, I was actually learning about forgiveness and teaching forgiveness, but it was instead of practicing forgiveness. So even though that thing seemed noble, it was actually very destructive. And maybe some of your coping mechanisms are the same. See, the thing is, is that God wants to set us free. He wants to set us free from this vicious cycle. He wants to set us free to be able to think truth again, to be able to feel good again, to be able to choose love again. But make no mistake about it. There's someone who doesn't want you to hear this message. And that is the devil. That is the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. The devil does not want you to hear this. He wants you to stay in that vicious cycle so that he can have control over your life. And so you better believe that there is a spiritual force that, that wants to keep you bound. But here's the thing. If you want freedom from the overwhelm and the stress and the anxiety that you're experiencing right now, it starts, your freedom starts with forgiveness. This is why I call my six-week forgiveness course Freedom Through Forgiveness, because that's where it starts. And here's the thing. We know that this was always God's priority, right? He told us in the Lord's Prayer, of course, there was the whole thing where Jesus died for the forgiveness for our sins. The least we could do is live to forgive. But even in Mark eleven twenty-five, 25, Jesus himself says, hey, when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. That's crazy, right? When you stand praying, when you're praying, hey, before you give me praise, before you make a request, no, before you do anything, could you do me a favor and forgive first? And you're like, no way. And the thing is, it wasn't because God was mean or he was uh, demanding disciplinary. It was because he loved us so much that he knew if we stayed in the torturous circle of death, we would never be able to receive his best. We would never be able to receive his love and his blessings and his grace and his mercy and everything he has for us to the best of our ability. Literally, very literally, choosing not to forgive is causing a blessing blocker, a love blocker, a relationship blocker, not only from God, but from each other and to God and to each other. Ugh. So why does it seem so hard to forgive? Why is it so difficult? Why is it so challenging? You want to know my absolute least favorite thing is after I give a message, I'm giving a message to an audience, I come down on stage and, and all of a sudden someone says, Minister Dean, I, I tell you that was a great message. It was very inspiring and I appreciate what you did in forgiving. 
But I tell you, I just don't think I could ever do that. Ugh. And I think to myself, what are you talking about? Are you serious? You think somehow my ability to forgive had something to do with my strength or my power? Really? Dude, no, of course not. Jesus was, Jesus is, and Jesus will always be the source of my strength to be able to forgive. Plain and simple, for what Jesus did on the cross, it's already done, now I just need to, we need to wrap our minds around it and draw up alongside of what he's already created. And, but there are some things that I did do with God's help that made a tremendous difference, not only in forgiving my mom's murderer, but forgiving myself, forgiving my wife during critical times of our 20-year relationship. And now I've been blessed to teach many others and help them experience some, what some would see is the impossible breakthrough with forgiveness. Because it has nothing to do with your strength, so anyone can do it. But let me ask you this. This is interesting. You know, I'll, for years I would show up and there'd be an audience and how many of you would say you have a racial relationship with Jesus and you know everyone's hand would go up and maybe it's not your ideal relationship but you have a relationship with Jesus right and then I would say how many of you within that relationship with Jesus make forgiveness a priority and practice it regularly and I don't know if you've ever been in the audience when you want to avoid the speaker from looking at you, but all of a sudden you see people like kind of going like this, like, oh, da, 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 da. And so what I discovered years ago is that forgiveness actually requires two things. One is it requir requires a relationship with the real, true, and living God, Jesus Christ. And it requires a habit. A habit of making forgiveness a priority within the context of the relationship. See, Molly and me had a relationship 10 years ago. We had a great relationship, we thought, but what we didn't have is we didn't have a habit of making forgiveness a priority and we got stuck in the torturous circle and there was a lot of pain and dysfunction in all areas of our relationship. And so you ask yourself, why isn't forgiveness a habit for you? There's a reason, and I want to illuminate it for you right now. Think of this. First of all, how many of you, by a show of hands, and I can see you in your living room right now, I can see you, so how many of you would, when I say forgiveness, let's do forgiveness, how many of you would associate that with something that's difficult or potentially a painful process? Anybody? Yep, I see you, I see you. Right? We associate it with being kind of difficult and painful, don't we? That's why the people come up to me and say, I could never do that. But here's the thing. The reason you haven't made forgiveness a habit is exactly the same reason that you haven't made many things in your life that you know are super important a habit. Yeah, that makes sense. Like drinking more water or exercising or eating healthier or not drinking or eating as much or getting up earlier or whatever it may be, right? Everything we do, we do for a reason, either consciously or unconsciously. Now check this out. Here's what we know from human behavior. Everything you and I do, we do either out of our need to avoid pain or our desire to gain pleasure. To avoid pain or to seek pleasure. 
Seems like an oversimplification, doesn't it? But here's the thing, this pain pleasure principle, as my mentor calls it, has been consciously or unconsciously driving a lot of the decisions your entire life. Who you're friends with, what you wear, what you do for a living, who you ended up marrying, whether you're fit or whether you're unfit, right? And it's been actually the driving force that can keep you from taking some of what could be the most important decisions in your life. For, let me ask you this, has anyone ever procrastinated? Right? Of course you have, right? And what is procrastination? That thing we really know we should do, but we're not doing it and we just can't figure out why. And it's very simple. You link more pain to taking action than not taking action. It's like procrastination means putting off the pain until later. And then have you ever had that thing that you're procrastinating and then all of a sudden one day it goes flip and all of a sudden you end up doing it like, oh my gosh, my project's due tomorrow, so I'm gonna stay up all night. You stay up 12 hours, you work really hard, you get it done maybe April 14th is that moment where it flips for you. But all of a sudden you get it done, you think, why didn't I do this sooner? What am I thinking, golly gee? Well, it's very simple. Your brain at some point all of a sudden associated more pain to not taking action, so it made you do something. I had a, in my high performance coaching a few years ago, I had a client who, she was an executive for a Fortune 500 company. And we'd been working through her business goals and we got to this place where we were gonna work on some personal goals and she said, you know, really the hardest thing in my entire life, business or personal, is cutting back on my wine consumption. She went on to tell me that she had drank at least a bottle or, or more of wine every night for a couple years. Now, is there some of you that are like, is there a problem with that? Is that, is that? No judgment, no judgment. Okay, but she really wanted to do it. She's like, I don't even think we should work on this because I don't think there's any way I can ever give up my wine. It just is too painful. And within those two weeks that we started working on this, she got a call from her doctor after a doctor's visit. And the doctor informed her that she had stage four cancer and that if she consumed any alcohol, it would feed the cancer inside of her and actually cause her very literally to die sooner. That's how the doctor put it. And so from that moment, that conversation with that doctor for the remaining two years of her life, she didn't have one sip of alcohol. What happened? She associated much more pain to not making a change. And so what we can do is we can learn from this, my friend, because in the real world, in reality, there is so much more pain associated with staying in the torturous circle of death. It's like that person, you know, like, I, I don't want to work out or do no exercising or nothing because when I do, my muscles get real sore and I don't like sore muscles. Well, sir, actually, if you keep working out, your muscles will stop getting sore and actually you'll get in more shape and you won't be, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to hear none of your nonsense. I ain't working out. I don't like being sore. And that's an exaggeration, but in some ways, maybe many of us unconsciously have been choosing to not make forgiveness a priority for that very reason. It's the reason why my first step to my forgiveness framework is to get leverage on yourself, to get clear. Now this is for you right now. This is your action step. Get clear, what have your coping mechanisms been? And what have been the negative results, the negative consequences of those coping mechanisms? In your relationships, in your peace, in your joy, 
in your productivity, in, in the things that you chose to do or not to, and look at your past and realize all the painful situations that have come up and circumstances and results. And then look at your presence with the stress of the world and the anxiety of the world. How much more is your choosing to not get out of the torturous circle of death affecting your thoughts and your emotions? And then ask yourself a very powerful question. What happens if nothing changes? What happens if you choose to stay in the torturous circle of death? How will it affect your peace? How will it affect your closest relationships? Will, you will your relationships survive? How will it affect your influence on your children? Right? You start to get leverage on yourself. When you get real about the damage and the pain and dysfunction from the sin in your life that you haven't been forgiving regularly, it helps you to take action. There's one more question, which is, what is the ROF? In the business world, when you invest in something, you wonder what the ROI is, the return on investment. But for us forgiven folks, we say, what's the ROF? Because that means what is your return on forgiveness? What are the benefits of forgiveness? If you become a forgiving person, make it a habit in your life and practice it every day. What are some of the benefits? And here's the really interesting thing. In my office, I've got like hundreds of pages, 700 pages right now of research done about forgiveness, where they, they take a, a few hundred people on each study and they take them from being angry and mad, they put them through what's called forgiveness therapy, and then they, they take measurements again, you know, surveys or whatever. And so there's some pretty conclusive evidence of the benefits of forgiveness. Very interesting. And the thing is, most of these studies did not include a spiritual aspect. It didn't even include the source, the power of true forgiveness. So I'm about to give you some benefits, and if these are benefits in the world, imagine when we bring our relationship and the power of Jesus into this as well. The benefits of forgiveness brought to you by conclusive research. This is going to be so shocking to you, he says sarcastically. Benefits of forgiveness, healthier relationships. Ha! Oh, really? Benefits of relationship, improved mental health. Yeah, of course. That's where God begins to heal your thinking and your emotions. Reduces anxiety, reduces stress, reduces hostility. Yes, thank you, forgiveness. It strengthens your immune system when you become a more forgiving person. Whoa, didn't see that coming. Reduces symptoms of depression. <laughs> of course, Jesus heals you and sets you free. It improves your heart health. Ooh, we're getting healthy. It improves your self-esteem and your confidence. Oh yes, hello. Listen to this, just in the last couple months in my forgiveness workshops, I'm gonna tell you some, within six weeks, some of my students are reporting this. Now, this isn't to say that it's guaranteed or anything like that when you start, but here's what I'm seeing on the mean streets of forgiveness, where the rubber meets the road. Within six weeks, there's been several people who lose a lot of weight, like 10 to 12 pounds within six, six weeks. Several of these people are females, and it's, sometimes they say it's a little bit harder for a female to lose weight, and so they're like, we weren't even on diets. But when they focused on their relationship with Jesus, making forgiveness a habit, all of a sudden they started showing up in life different and it changed their physical habits because they started to get freedom here. Many people are, are reporting that they're sleeping better. After years of insomnia, they're finally able to relax. People are reporting they just have more peace in their day. They've been anxious and depressed and they have more peace. There's been marriages that are being strengthened and this is within the six weeks. The people are saying they have more connection to the people in their life and they're able to be more present because they're not dealing 
with the pain and dysfunction anymore. Dude, this is why God said, when you pray, first forgive. Because if you first forgive, then you'll be able to receive my best and you'll be able to give my best. It's time to make forgiveness a priority, my friends. So my day job, my day job. So my day job, I'm a high performance coach for, and this is a fancy title, for life and leadership and business. I help people essentially transform their thoughts and their habits and their relationships. So I've been able to learn in the, over the last seven years of doing this a lot about the brain and how God created our brain and helped us to start and stick with any habit. And there are four elements that in the, in the, real, in the, in the, the real world, the secular world, you can start and stick with any habit if you apply these four elements I'm about to teach you, but here's the cool thing. When I learned these, I, I thought to myself, why aren't we taking these in our spiritual disciplines? And now over the last several years, I've watched people flourish in their relationship with Jesus and their forgiveness journeys by implementing these. Now, if there's any habit you've ever started and weren't able to stick to like that New Year's resolution, it was probably because you didn't have all four of these elements. Here we go. These Four critical elements make up the acronym SEAT, or S-E-A-T. And I want you to think of these as sort of like a hot air balloon. Like at the beginning of a hot air balloon ride, have you ever seen the person who's in charge? They have, they have the rope and they're like, and they pull on that thing and the balloon goes, and they're, and it goes, and at some point they get to the elevation they want to get to and all of a sudden the person's like, and they just relax and they float along. And only every once in a while they have to go, well, the same is with these four elements as we begin to make forgiveness a habit and a priority in our relationship with Jesus. At, at the beginning, you lean on them, and at some point, they become a part of you, and you don't have to think about them. The first, the S, is for structure. Have you ever thought about bringing structure to your forgiveness journey. And what I mean is, um, I tell my students, we call it the Freedom 15, that you actually plan 15 minutes of your day to focus on getting out of the torturous circle of death. So you plan it, you schedule it. And my students, they have all different kinds of ways that they make sure that they, their structure, they, some of them write three by five cards, some of them have phone reminders on their alarms, some of them write it on their mirror, some of them just schedule it in their calendar or on their phone. Bring structure into anything you want to do in your life, not just forgiveness, but especially forgiveness. Okay, the E and the A is for encouragement and accountability. Oh my goodness, having encouragement and accountability in your forgiveness journey is paramount, and here's why. Because there's always turbulence at 2,000 feet. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to Alaska Airlines Flight 747. Uh, we're going to be heading out today up into about 10,000 uh, feet uh, where there's going to be blue skies. Uh, we're just hearing from the tower. There's actually going to be a little uh, turbulence at 2,000 feet. Just going to ask you to stay in your seat, keep your seat belts, seat belts fastened, and uh, we'll get through it in no time. Thank you, and thank you for flying Alaska. And so when you're on that flight and you get to the thing and you're there, you're, okay, it's going to go, it's going to go, it's going to be better. And then before you know, oh, well, the same thing happens in your forgiveness journey, very potentially, and this happens at about week two or three with my students, is things come up. They start to experience some emotion. And when we're on our own and we get that discomfort, our brains are designed for comfort and for survival. 
So it will do anything to avoid that pain. But remember, the things that are most important for us to do often require a short-term pain for a long-term pleasure. And so when you have encouragement and accountability in your forgiveness journey, someone to say, no, Susan, you've got this. You can do this. Remember, that's going to be more painful if you give up. Remember, you want to be free. Remember, you've been overwhelmed and anxious and you know forgiveness is at the heart of it. You can do this. When you bring encouragement and accountability, it enables you to get past the turbulence and the painful emotions so that you can get to the freedom and the breakthrough. And the last, the last element is tools and training. The biggest misunderstanding for a lot of Christians is they think the only tool they have in their forgiveness toolkit is the power of prayer. And the power of prayer is essential. Don't get me wrong, it's foundational. But there's so many other tools that we have at our disposal. Um, the Bible tells us about them. And it's like if, forgive, if Jesus already made forgiveness happen on the cross, we realize that like Romans 12, 2 comes into play, right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And he's given us actually a lot of tools to overcome. And the world has some of these tools. They don't go against our Christian beliefs, but the Bible actually started them. Like the power of our words and the power of our thoughts and the power of our habits. And there's so many tools available. You know, I'm looking at the clock and I realize I don't have time to, to teach any of these tools, but I want you to know that there is a lot of very practical tools for you to be able to transform, to be renewed by the transformation, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to show you a picture in closing. This is a picture of me and the man that murdered my mom, Bob, who I forgave and reconciled with. And next to him is my sister, Gianna. And what's interesting is that one year before this picture was taken, Bob attempted suicide. I got to go be with him a week after his suicide attempt. And this is a year before this picture was taken. I asked him, do you think it's possible for you to be able to forgive yourself? And he said, and I quote, I don't think any sane person who has taken the actions I've taken could ever be able to forgive themselves. That was a year before this picture. My sister Gianna, a year before this picture was taken, was on film in the movie Live to Forgive. And she said, not only is forgiveness not possible, but I would never forgive Bob. In fact, if I ever see him, I want to kill him. I want to take his life and I don't even think I'll get in trouble for it. Whew. It was a year before this picture was taken that I asked both of them if I could be their guide, if I could help them make forgiveness a priority, a habit, if I could, if, if, if I could help them, right? And they both agreed. They both said yes. And so over this next year, I was able to help them establish structure. I was able to give them encouragement and accountability. And they applied. They engaged. They implemented the tools that I gave them. They implemented new tools that the Bible talks about. And what happened is they found themselves here. This was at Wabash Church in 2009. And here's the thing. Bob comes up to the stage and shares his testimony, giving God all the glory. All the glory went to God. He said God helped. He was able to receive God's forgiveness. And then he was able to step into his purpose, which was to help other people who'd done really bad things. My sister Gianna in that short year was able to not only forgive Bob, but wanted to meet him in person and met us that day. 
hugged him and said, I forgive you. And without being prompted, came up on stage because she wanted to be a part of this. My friend, if these, if the three of us, including me and Bob and Gianna, could make such significant breakthroughs in just a short period of time, be transformed from the inside out, I have to ask you, what's possible for your marriage if you and your spouse made forgiveness a priority, a habit? What's possible for your role as a parent and your influence as a parent? What's possible for your peace? What's possible for your joy? What's possible for all your relationships, maybe most importantly, your relationship with Jesus? What's possible in your spiritual life, right? I want to encourage you to make forgiveness a priority today. If you need help, if you need help in your forgiveness journey, uh, I want you to know Pastor Greg and the board of MRCC have given me permission to and given me their blessing to invite you to my upcoming six-week forgiveness course called Freedom Through Forgiveness. It is essentially an immersive forgiveness experience where we take the power of biblical truths coupled with the effectiveness of practical applications. And it's an opportunity for me to walk arm in arm with you and some of our MRCC family and give you structure and we can encourage each other and hold each other accountable while learning new tools so that we can transplant the forgiveness, biblical, the freedom of biblical forgiveness, transplant it from our head to our heart. I want to invite you to join me in this opportunity. Simply go to livetoforgive.com forward slash MRCC. This is a special offer I'm making just to my MRCC family and friends. Again, it's livetoforgive.com forward slash MRCC. All right, would you pray with me now? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for each and every person who can hear my voice. Pray that you would help this message to sink into their hearts and not only into their hearts, but into their actions that they would talk to some important people in their lives and begin to set up structure and get encouragement and accountability and to be able to make forgiveness a priority, Lord, so they can get out of the torturous circle of death to honor you, Lord, to receive your blessings, to receive your love and to be able to give it to others as well. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you've made all this possible in Jesus name. Thank you for your time. I hope you have an incredible day and I look forward to hearing how the miracle performing power of God's forgiveness is impacting your life. Thank you.